Hey there, Fit Fam. I just want to check in before the show and make sure everybody knows that on the DFS Dreamer podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, we usually go over the DraftKings main slate each and every week before it happens. We do it earlier in the week, too, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in that neighborhood, just to be able to give us some time to marinate on some of those players that will be coming up on the DraftKings main slate. But also, uh, we, we like to have a lot of fun whenever we do it. I think it's a good show, so make sure you subscribe to the show. Uh, but this episode, we go over the, the Scott Fish bowl draft positions that we are both in i'm in the second spot pierre is in the sixth spot so we go kind of go over the adps there around that time frame we also talk about some scott fishbowl sleepers and then we also get into the nfl news and notes and that baker mayfield situation that happened today but we don't want to forget about fantasy baseball that's what we've been doing in the offseason a lot so we go over the standings again just to see how they have changed and also try to find some sleeper players that may still be out there on your waiver wires that can help you bring home a championship for all those fantasy playoffs that you'll be in here very very soon i hope very very soon for you but make sure you like make sure you subscribe but right now let's bring in the base good morning good evening good afternoon welcome to another off-season edition of the dfs dreamer podcast here on the fantasy impact today network i am one of your hosts Wes over on Twitter at Loafinit on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. And of course, I have with me my buddy, my partner in crime on the DFS Dreamer podcast, Pierre at Peewee31 over there on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow as well. Pierre, are you excited for the Scott Fishbowl draft coming up here very soon? I am. I am. It's it's like almost here. And uh the the invites, you know, have gone out. You know, they they trickle out. I think they start in like May. And then there's just anticipation, anticipation. And one of my anticipations is you. So I, I know I was kind of blessed to get an invite early on. You were still waiting for yours. Did you get your, your Scott Fishbowl invite? After you submitted a case for me to get in, and J.B. Barry, our good old friend at Fantasy Coach J.B. on Twitter, he submitted a request as well. And, of course, our buddy Rob Norton, the daddy of the baby bowl, uh, he submitted a request as well for me to get in there on Twitter. And, of course, i got to mention Kevin. Kevin submitted a request. I think it was actually Kevin going over 10,000 followers that got me into the Scott Fish Bowl this past week. And I got not only did Scott Fish send me one email, I got like five or six emails all at once this morning. I don't know why, but I did. I got a whole bunch of them. I saw that I got in. The the, the guy who was putting in charge of the group in the chat and everything, who got everything together, he tagged me in something and, and said that we're all in the Belgium, Brussels, Brussels, Belgium, Brussels. I think it's Brussels. It's got to be Brussels. I think keep thinking Brussels sprouts, and I, so I'm in the Brussels division. And I, I don't know, I don't know why I got put in a Brussels. Brussels. So I, I, maybe it's because I am a world traveler, Pierre. I don't know if you know maybe, that about me. Maybe so. One of the, the 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 neat things this year was the the divisions, and it was mostly like cities. And uh, a lot of people signed up for cities near them in hopes of live drafts, where you could actually meet up, you know, with other folks. In the industry, whether it be analysts, whether it be fans, I consider myself a fan, even though I'm considered an analyst. But uh, that was the the really neat thing about the visions. But as those started filling up with real cities, you know, he went to some some like fictional type cities. You know, you got things like Hawkins, Indiana, which is a big thing for Stranger Things, if anyone ever watches that show. And there's like Harry Potter destinations. And I'm in Metropolis uh, myself. I was in Indianapolis. I got moved to Metropolis. As I was moved to a, a Sirius XM 
uh, draft Ooh. now. So that'll be entertaining. And there's basically like all analysts, uh, plus Ray Flowers, I believe is the, the big Sirius XM fantasy sports uh, host that's going to be in our division. And there's one fan, uh, Jonathan Sale, who's just cracking me up. And he seems like a really good guy, but it's like all heavyweights. So I'm like, what have I done? What's <laughs> happened here? It's going to be interesting to see how I can fight my way through this division. No, you do. Hey, you do a fantastic job. I've been blessed uh, by having you sit me down on your knee and teach me a thing or two about fantasy sports along the way over the last couple of years that you and I have gotten to know each other. And you've, I'm sure, seen me grow a little bit in all this. But I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm in the second spot drafting in the Scott Fish Bowl. And you know last year one of my strategies was, I don't want to say punt quarterback, but I punted quarterback. And then it came back and bit me bad. <laughs> Raw. Right between the legs, it bit me. And and uh, so this year, I'm planning on not doing that. I'm in the second spot, and I'm drafting out of the second spot. What, what spot are you drafting out of? I'm out of pick six. So I'm smack dab in the middle. Oh, man. Uh, would you rather pick in the middle of the draft, the front of a draft, or the tail end of a draft of a Scott Fishbowl, a 12-teamer with such a deep bench and so so many players to choose from? Well, I, I like it in the middle, um, mainly because of the that whole third round reversal. So if you don't yeah. know, it's a little difficult to explain, but it's just a standard snake draft the first two rounds. So first pick down to 12, back to first. But in the third round, instead of that first pick, getting back-to-back picks, it goes back down to pick 12 to start the third round, which is the third round reversal. So right in the middle at six, I, I feel like there's not as much – you know, for one, wait time, uh, but not as big as a drop-off uh, as well. If you were going to be earlier on, you know, one or two, you know, you make those first two picks and all of a sudden you got to wait a whole nother round uh, before you get the, the next pick you got there. So six right in the middle. Uh, I like it. Again, it's not a bunch of time in between picks, but also there's not a big drop-off if there's a run that might take place, which happens a lot in the Scott Fishbowl, be it quarterbacks, tight ends. You start to see runs where a bunch of teams in a row start to take one position and then you're scrambling to, to get one yourself or if you're going to just go a whole nother route. Yeah, I've been eyeballing that because I've done a couple of mock drafts now uh, here and there today, uh, probably six of them to be to be exact, Pierre. OK, it was, it was an off day today. So I was doing it. I was like, oh, because go. the thing starts Monday, right? It starts Monday. Yeah. So I, I was doing a couple of mock drafts and that reversal thing, I was looking at it because I was I was going, OK, I'm going to try and get the quarterback and then the running back or the wide receiver that I want here right here at the beginning. And then I then when the reversal hit, I was like, I'm not going to get anybody forever. It feels like, <laughs> you know, so so <laughs> I, I'm thinking I got to lock in and, and I'm, I'm asking you here and there's going to be other people that are drafting in the Scott Fishbowl at the beginning of a draft or at the tail end of a draft. If they're drafting at the beginning. They almost mm-hmm. got I, – I got to lock in two good quarterbacks right away or else they're all going to be off the board by the time three rolls around, right? I mean, you're definitely taking one. So okay. uh, two, I think it's it kind of depends on how the, the draft board kind of plays out. Um, you might be able to get away with, with one stud and, and then maybe go, you know, tight end, running back, receiver there. But you definitely need at least one, uh, especially from the, the two-hole because if you – let's say – and this is going to be a scenario that a lot of people are faced with is Jonathan Taylor's on the board. Right. So Jonathan Taylor's pretty much, you know, redraft PPR. He's probably considered the the one dot one. He's a, the first pick in most drafts. So if you take him in the first round, 
Or is that going to leave you in the second round with, with quarterback? So that's going to be the, the hiccup there. Um, you take him, you're going to need a quarterback in the second round because you're, you're going to want probably one of those top 12 guys, if at all possible, uh, to be you know your quarterback one. If you miss and, and you don't take a quarterback two rounds in a row, I mean, mm. you're going to be scrambling a bit because you're, you're going to need one of those guys, you know, between 13 and 19 to, to really step up and, and have one of those breakout type years, which I kind of got lucky with last year. So fourth round last year, I took Joe Burrow. Um, but you think about Burrow, he was coming off the ACL injury. A lot of folks mm. were, you know, scared. Uh, to to kind of go with him. The offensive line really wasn't addressed. Uh, you didn't know how he was going to recover, but I, I took a chance just on the, the town alone, uh, and that played off really well. You know, he had a really big season, but those are the, the kind of risks uh, that you're taking. If you don't take one in those first two rounds, you're going to have to try to find someone third, fourth round that maybe isn't being rated really high, but has that upside to to be that number one guy. Now, that's something that I heard of, from some past contestants of the fishbowl who have done very well in the Scott Fishbowl. And I reached out to them, I think, last year even, and uh, or read an article or two by them even. And one of the things that they said uh, that they somewhat had in common was that they got lucky. You know, like they got real lucky on some cases. <laughs> where, But they, they tried to grab the, the highest, I don't know, the highest floors early on. And then was mm-hmm. really putting off some of those positions until late to grab some people with a high ceiling late, uh, where they're where they're kind of playing what we would call it more here on the DFS Streamer podcast, more of a GPP kind of look at things where they're you know not trying to win the fifty fifty, but more they're trying mm-hmm. to get the whole gold there at the end. Yeah, I think your your strategy for the Scott Fishbowl is you you want those tournament type players. You want you want those ceiling guys because you think about how many people are actually in this thing. We're we're talking thousands, okay. thousands of, of competitors are in this Scott Fishbowl, and it's one thing to make the playoffs. You know, you have a, a standard head to head throughout the uh, the regular season. I believe it's the first twelve weeks. You have head to head matchups with others in your division, and you just got to win those matchups. But once you get into the playoffs, you now have to have higher scores than some similar lineups that that you're going to have. So, you know, you're picking from the two spot. I'm picking from the six. It's quite possible that if you, once you get to the playoffs, you're going to be going up against other people picking at the two, picking at the six that are going to have similar options, similar Mm. scenarios that you had. And what you, what you need is the, you got to have some boom guys that can score the most points uh, for one, once you get to the playoffs, but also through the the regular season, because your season average uh, is going to go into your playoff score. So you want guys that are going to be able to get you, you know, big points uh, throughout the season to kind of set yourself apart from some of those teams that do play it safe that are going for four guys. Yeah, they might have a, a guy averaging, you know, 50 yards and a touchdown, but if you got a guy that's averaging 80 and two, you're setting yourself apart just alone with the, the higher higher point totals that you're able to get week over week. And uh, the contrarian play in that eighty and two kind of guy too. If you hit on mm-hmm. those lesser lesser rostered players, so yeah, that's 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 so interesting. I'll give you one, and I know you're gonna love this name because I, I talked about him all the time last year. But Carson Wentz uh, was the quarterback I took last year, and you, you listen to most people, and Carson Wentz was terrible, right? You know, he was awful last year. That's why the coach got rid of him. 
Uh, in the Scott Fishbowl last year, he was the 29th highest scoring player overall in the Scott Fishbowl. And he had some really awful weeks, uh, especially at the end of the year. But he also had really big gains uh, with his, his arm talent, you know, the Ravens game, the Bucks game. So you got to keep that in mind. Yes, you, if you get a really awful game, you, you could get negative points from your quarterback. It's really tough. But if they also have those big boom games with a high completion percentage, they're, they're throwing long bombs, multiple touchdowns, all that's going to add up as well. And, and Carson Wentz is one of those variants uh, type of quarterbacks who can really hurt you if he's off. But if he's on, uh, given his value and where he's going at in drafts, he can really help you as well. So just keep that in mind without this this whole big picture of the, the drafting process. So we're looking here at our buddies at Going for Two. Uh, over there, they they have a um, they they've got a best of SB, SFB twelve ADP on a sleeper mock draft data, and I think it's being played this way this year on my fantasy league and on sleeper, if I'm not mistaken. So we got those couple of mm-hmm. options that are being there among the Scott Fish Bowl tournament people. Uh, here we have Josh Allen going one off the board all the time. I know we talk about Jonathan Taylor going one off the board. Uh, would you take a Jonathan Taylor over some of those quarterbacks? Uh, Josh Allen, a Justin Herbert, a Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Jonathan Taylor is fifth in ADP mm-hmm. for the SFB tournament. Yeah, he's he's fifth right now. Um, so there were a couple live drafts that already started, uh, just so you're aware. Uh, I think Atlanta had two. Chicago had three. Uh, live drafts that started last weekend. Uh, those are through Sleeper, and and there's draft boards that you can look at these. Uh, I know Scott posted it himself, uh, uh, but Taylor went first in both of the Atlanta drafts that were live. Uh, he he went first pick overall, and I, I think you can do that. I mean, you look at the the year he had, the season he had, clearly more rushing yards than you know any other. Uh, running back, I think Najee Harris was the closest, maybe Nick Chubb, and they were like six, seven hundred yards away. Uh, touchdowns, you know, he's got the touchdown upside. I think his passing game works going to be better with Matt Ryan just because Carson Wentz didn't really like checkdowns. But I also am worried because I, I feel like I feel like the ball was taken out of Carson Wentz's hands. Uh, quite a bit because they were scared he was going to make a mistake. Uh, so they ran the ball a little bit more than they, right. they really should have or needed to. And I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case with Matt Ryan. Um, he's a good decision maker, vet, uh, can read the, the defense really well. Uh, but again, I think the the positive side is that I do expect Taylor's uh, passing upside to be much, much better uh, with Matt Ryan. You look at Atlanta last year, Cordero Patterson, Mike Davis were both top 10 in targets for running backs last year uh, with Matt Ryan at the helm. So I, I, I would take Taylor. I, I don't have a problem with taking him over some of those top backs, uh, top quarterbacks. I'm sorry. If I had to pick, I probably wouldn't consider him until three or four. Uh, I think I like Josh Allen and, and Justin Herbert quite a bit um, in this super flex format. Uh, but once it got to Mahomes, I, I think I'd start considering Taylor. I keep trying to stack people, too, whenever I'm doing mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm trying to get a little combo going on, and I'm also trying to combination it up 
with a, when I look at the Scott Fishbowl playoffs or even, you know, just thinking about best ball playoffs. And I know this isn't necessarily a best ball tournament. You got to set your lineups each week, got to go head to head against each other, uh, against each other as well. But I keep thinking ahead to those week 17 matchups that I have stuck in my brain from those best ball tournaments that I have going on. And there's some really good ones to highlight there. And the, the chargers are one of those teams. The Kansas city chiefs are one of those teams. And so I keep having my eye on the prize for that week 17. And so I'm really loving the Justin Herbert stack because I can get him and then I can get a maybe a Mike Williams there in the three, uh, the third round. Uh, or I can even get some of those underowned wide receivers that usually play a couple of games anyway. And, and especially in that offense where they go three wide, four wide at different times. So I, I'm thinking about getting him at the number two if Josh Allen isn't available. But Josh Allen is a clear number uh, QB one, right? Yeah, I think so. I would, I would definitely go Josh Allen first. Uh, Herbert's probably clear number two to me. Patrick um, Mahomes worried me a bit. I know he still had a, a, a really good end of the season, but I, I felt he struggled quite a bit early on last year. That was with Tyreek. Uh, it's going to be interesting what he what he does without Tyreek. So that'll that'll be tough. Uh, I do think you bring up a good point with stacking. Uh, that's really important uh, in a in a contest in a fantasy uh scott fishbowl like this because like we were just talking with uh, the high ceilings uh, the points that you need uh in order to succeed uh the the best boom for your buck and we we talk about this on dfs daily fantasy is to to be able to stack up you know those quarterbacks with their pass catchers because if they're hitting each other for you know touchdowns you're, you're getting more more and more points because you got both pairs versus one and that's something that can set you apart. If you're going in, oh, you're playing, you know, a Mike Williams, a Keenan Allen, uh, and your 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 opponent only has them, but you also have Herbert who's throwing them the ball. They're having a big game. Herbert's going to have a big game too. You're setting yourself apart there. So uh, stacking's definitely big. I think uh, Burrow and Chase was one of the, the bigger combinations last year uh, that a lot of people had success with. But Chase was, again, you know, really good value. There's a lot of concerns with him in camp because of some of the drop passes. So people were, were kind of nervous to take him, myself included. Uh, I ended up stacking Burrow with Tyler Boyd, which didn't work out the, the, the best in, in all honesty. But, I mean, Boyd was decent. He was fine. But having a, a Chase or even a Higgins would have been much better uh, for my overall upside when it comes to a stack. No, and there's some really juicy matchups. They're the you know the championship week. Looking at week 17, the championship week in a lot of these best ball formats or even the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, there's some that just really jump out of the page at you. The Arizona Atlanta game, you know, you wouldn't expect there to be a lot of defense. They got to get there played. first. I mean, you're well, looking at I week know. 17, but I, I, I mean, yeah. you got to get to that week 17 first. I want the prize, Pierre. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get Chicago Bears and Detroit Lion game. I just don't want that. I don't want anything to do with something like that, you know. But I'm sitting here looking at a uh, Los Angeles Rams and a Los Angeles Charger game, and I'm thinking, ooh, I gotta, I gotta make sure I got some of those guys in the in the old in the old bullet sack there just in case I need them that week 17. That's but you don't even know if they're going to need to play. And that's the, the tough thing oh, with week oh, 17 man. is if they're like a home field advantage locked up, you know, these guys are sitting out. Then you're like, oh, no. And that, that's kind of where the, the season average and stuff kind of comes into play and why you really want to try to score as many points as possible uh, <laughs> throughout the season because that the season average is taken into account if you do get the week 17 all of a sudden, Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are sitting out because the Chargers have a bye. And, I mean, now you're 
you're running out, you know, whoever the backup <laughs> is, and it's just it's a rough time. Yeah, Jacoby yeah. Brissett's your starting quarterback now. You're, pro- you're probably right. Thank you for talking me off the week 17 ledge and keeping the, 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 the what, what needs to be done right in front of me with scoring as many points as I can. Okay, that's week yes. to week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, week 17, I'm sitting over like week 17. <laughs> Get a little ahead of yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I do that at times. Uh, I, I'm the kind of guy I jump into the pool and the deep end of the pool. And as I'm midair, I look and I go, oh, I hope there's water. You know, that's, that's the kind yeah. of guy I am. Just, I'm going off the high dive already. All right. So six hole there. You're, Josh Allen's gone. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert's gone. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Jonathan Taylor is gone. So you have to choose. Probably. I mean, I'm, I'm, if JT's there, I know you're taking Jonathan Taylor one. I, I just Joe Burrow, <laughs> Kyler Murray, Travis Kelsey, Dak Prescott, Christian McCaffrey might still be available mm-hmm. for you. And of course, Cooper Cup might be there. What, what are you going to do, Pierre? Because I know your heart is with Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> but are you going to go for like a high upside play with a, with a Christian McCaffrey, who a lot of people this season are saying, you know, why are you not taking him number one? His stats when he's healthy go far and above and beyond anything else you could ever get. Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot to be in, honestly. And last year I took Travis Kelsey at six. Uh, worked out well. Um, you got to remember the tight end premium. Uh, in the Scott Fishbowl as well, which, you know, they're getting extra points for, for first downs, similar to, to running backs, but they get a full point PPR versus the half a point for, for pass catching. So uh, I went Kelsey last year. This is, again, it's going to depend on how the board falls. I do like Taylor and McCaffrey a lot. I, I feel like they're they're easily the two best running backs uh, for me in the, in the game, uh, especially more so. So I like Henry um, also, but he's more, you know, grind them out. Whereas these guys, I feel like are going to be involved in the the passing game as well. So I really like Taylor McCaffrey, um, Cooper Cup. I, I enjoy him as well. I, I do feel like there's probably a little more depth at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't take Cup uh, there at six, even though I, I enjoy him as a, a pro, as a player. Uh, I just think there's more depth at wide receiver where I can still get good guys. Uh, later on so it's gonna be with me it's gonna be taylor mccaffrey or one of the quarterbacks um and that's what's tough because uh what i don't want to happen is as i take taylor or mccaffrey and then the second round comes along and you know i don't really have my choice of quarterbacks that i like and i kind of have a a stopping point at, at quarterback where there's a a certain tier where i want to get at least one of these guys as my qb1 and I, I risk that not happening if I if I do take one of those running backs. So right now I'm probably leaning a quarterback. Um, I don't expect Taylor to be there if he does fall. You know me being a coach guy, that's gonna gonna change my whole game there. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind running it back with Burrow. He treated me really well last year. He got me to a conference final. I think he'll be good. Their offensive line is better. Uh, still have his connection with, with Chase. Uh, Higgins will be a you know a year back from his his injury as well, so probably Burrow, uh, Murray. Uh, I don't mind Kyler as well. Uh, it worries me that Hopkins is suspended, you know, early on. I know they got Hollywood Brown, uh, so we should have the the rapport with from Oklahoma, but he has a rushing upside as well. So uh, Lamar scares me the most. Uh, I know he's talented. I took him though in in my first Scott Fishbowl, which is ten. 
Uh, he was my first pick, and he just didn't he didn't do it for me. Didn't do it for my team. I didn't make the playoffs. So it's like that sour taste in your mouth when you take mm-hmm. a guy and they don't work out. So I'm probably leaning either Burrow or Kyler uh, or Taylor or McCaffrey at pick six myself. So I've already wandered down here to the Joe Flacco area of our draft, okay? So I'm, I'm way down here, all right? <laughs> I think the draft's over if you're that far. <laughs> uh, a, little, little, a little humor there for the DFS Draver podcast. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Joe Flacco sleeper guy here. Uh, who's, who's my new guy, though? The guy from Houston. Who's that guy? Davis Mills. Well, of course it's Davis Mills, Pierre. You passed the test. I couldn't remember. I couldn't <laughs> All right, but uh, look, at there's some people down here, though, as I've done a lot of different mock drafts, not just for this, but uh, also some best ball drafts throughout time on Yahoo and uh, Underdog as well. There's some people, I think, that that kind of get moved under the radar, like a J.D. McKissick. You know, just I'm just saying that because sometimes we feel the urge to have to pick a, a running back because I don't have enough running backs. Well, just hold your horses. Maybe a little J.D. <laughs> McKissick action can make it down to you. Somebody else, too, Evan Ingram, has just fallen off of draft boards and Trevor Lawrence is another one of those guys, those quarterbacks that you might be able to stack up with mm-hmm. an Evan Ingram. And this year, with Doug Peterson taking over in Jacksonville, who knows? Maybe maybe it does turn around a little bit for those guys in Jacksonville, and that could be a good one-two punch that are contrarian to what other people will pick up because they've already had enough quarterbacks in their draft, so they're like, I'm not going to pick up anybody else by the time it goes down to Trevor Lawrence. They've already got enough tight ends and so they're not going to get Evan Ingram but you and I both know in Philadelphia that was a great combination a tight end quarterback position was a great combination in that Philadelphia offense it was I mean you, you saw it obviously with Wentz and Ertz and then you, you had Goddard with Wentz Goddard with, with Ertz himself so it's it'll be interesting to see how Jacksonville kind of plays out um Trevor Lawrence is starting to climb like I've done some mocks oh, for really? a while now and he's he's starting to to get on the radar, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, you look at the kind of comparisons to Joe Burrow, so first overall pick, uh, kind of the the pedigree quarterback uh, that really just didn't have the, that first year uh, that you thought he was going to have. Uh, you can blame Urban Meyer potentially, but they went out, they got weapons, they got Christian Kirk. As you mentioned, they got Evan Ingram, and he could, he could be in play here. You look at, you know, Dan Arnold became relevant uh, there with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball, so – yeah, I expect Ingram to be like that. You got uh, Etienne, Travis Etienne, the, the running back who should be back and healthy, who who, who Trevor Lawrence played with at Clemson. So uh, he's got some some things falling into place here uh, for him to be successful. So I, I do think Trevor Lawrence is, is on the radar. I, I feel like he's climbing. Uh, he could be that fourth, fifth round guy uh, that, that maybe gives you that Burrow type year if he can – you know, get it all together if the game slows down for him and those weapons can make plays. Another name that I want to put out there is a wide receiver who seems to be way down there in the draft thing. And once again, just names that at some point in the Scott Fishbowl draft, you're going to be like, who in the world am I supposed to pick now? You know, they just throw a dart, right? <laughs> but Jamison Crowder is one of those names. It's way down mm-hmm. there on the draft boards. He's in Buffalo now. Tons of targets that were left there. Uh, I, I totally got Chad Beebe stuck in my head for that guy. Uh, Beasley. Beasley. <laughs> Beasley is his name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, tons of targets, and that's the same slot, uh, same position that I believe Jamison Crowder is going to end up taking over mm-hmm. there as well. Sterling Shepard's another name in New York. Whenever he's healthy, and him, it seems like they got a great combination there. 
between him and the quarterback in New York as well. And Daryl Williams with Arizona. I want to mention his name. He he's he, he receives the ball pretty well. He, he was that receiving back in Kansas City for a little while last year until yeah. it seemed like um, uh, what's his name McKinnon got you know, kind of took over towards yeah, the end Jerry of the McKinnon. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for sure. And you don't know how healthy Connor's going to be. Uh, he he was good last year in in Arizona, but you know now you know, you never know. He goes down. And you know, Daryl Williams could become the 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 main back there uh, with Chase Edmonds now in Miami. So uh, I like a couple sleepers as well. And one thing I want everyone to just kind of keep in mind is, so you only got to start two running backs in the the Scott Fish Bowl. You got to start two running backs. You got to start three receivers though. So just just keep that in mind. You got to start one more receiver than you do running back. So I would recommend kind of loading up a bit. <laughs> on the receiver standpoint, right? Because there's there's always going to be a running back or two that you can get uh, early on in that <laughs> waiver wire uh, process, whether it be because a, a guy got hurt, you know, in the preseason or gets hurt early in the season. There's going to be uh, a few backs that emerge. Uh, you hopefully they can stick around. You <laughs> know, like Tyson Williams was a big one last year. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite stick around. Elijah Mitchell, on the other hand. He did stick around. So those type of scenarios you can look at running back. I like Marlon Mack. I got a good look at him there in Indianapolis. He's now in Houston uh, with the, the Texans, and I, I feel like he could probably win that backfield. I don't I don't think that Burkhead's going to beat him out, even though you know he's always been serviceable. Uh, I think they got Damian Pierce, uh, a pretty good rookie. But I do like Marlon Mack, previous 1,000-yard rusher, will be a year removed now from his Achilles injury. Uh, so I expect him to to find his burst. And, you know, you mentioned Davis Mills. I think he's a, a solid quarterback. I've come around uh, to him as well. So I could see Marlon Mack having some success there. I like both the Green Bay guys. Um, Aaron Jones will go early, uh, obviously. But his his upside has always been when Devontae Adams isn't on the field. And Devontae Adams is not in Green Bay any longer. So I really like Aaron Jones. And on the flip side, I like A.J. Dillon also. Uh, because he's going to be that almost bruiser, you know, type of back. I think they'll use Aaron Jones a little bit more as a, a pass, you know, catching threat out of the backfield like they usually do when Devontae's hurt or gone. And I think Dylan will be more your, you know, first, second down type backs, uh, goal line backs to, to get you touchdown. So I like both of them. I think Naeem Hines with the Colts uh, is good for two reasons. Uh, for one, he's a, a good insurance to have. If something happens to Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, you hope not, but Hines would, would definitely be the, the next guy up there. Uh, but also he's been playing a lot of slot, you know, here during OTAs and mini camp so far for the coats. Uh, a lot of coach speak says they're, they're wanting to get him involved in a passing game. Again, the big knock on Wentz was him not taking the check downs, missing some of those running backs underneath. And uh, I think Matt Ryan can show that he can do that. Again, I talked earlier, Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis both, uh, finished top 10 in targets for running back. So you can see that same thing happen with Taylor and Hines. Uh, Hines is going really late. Uh, so I like him yep. and Marlon Mack as two of my late sleepers. No, no, Matt Ryan. Listen, Matt Ryan loves to check down. I'm just going to tell you right now, Matt Ryan loves to check down. And so he's, <laughs> I've watched him for years here uh, in the South, and he's always on my television on Sundays. And Matt Ryan loves <laughs> the check down. Don't forget, he, he made household names out of running backs who have never been 
thought of again. Okay, uh, let's go to some news and notes here, Pierre. I think those are both all great names. I'll also I'm gonna throw one more in there before we get over to the NFL news and notes. Here is uh, McCole Hardman. He's the last man standing, uh, essentially in the wide receiver room. Uh, we right? should have just went the news and notes. No, no I just I'm just saying as you get down there, you're like I don't know who to pick. I'm just thinking McCole Hardman. He's the last guy there in Kansas City that's familiarized with the offense a little bit. So who knows? Maybe he will finally have that breakout season. I'm not saying he will. He's just a name on my radar. And it doesn't. And don't, don't, I mean, if we're going to go receiver, like Hartman, someone's got to step up in Kansas City. So him, Juju, uh, rookie, you know, Sky Moore. There's a lot yeah. of rookies, you know, obviously in this draft. Yeah. Uh, Paris Campbell, I can't quit him with the Colts. Uh, really yeah. good offseason so far. Uh, but he's going to be really there, you know, there late as well. So just keep him in mind. Uh, you mentioned Crowder. I think that'll be a good thing. Everyone's on the, the Gabe Davis, I think, train right now. But I think Crowder's also a pretty good sleeper if he can stay healthy. Uh, but the the rookies are who I'm going to probably try to get here late. Jahan Dotson with uh, the Washington Commanders. Liked him out of Penn State. Christian Watson with the Packers. Again, no Devontae Adams. Folks are you know saying Alan Lazar's the, the main guy there. I think you can look at Christian Watson, uh, Sky Moore, who I mentioned with the Chiefs. So some of these rookies, Chris Olave, if uh, Winston's healthy, Garrett Wilson to get a part of the Jets. So there's just a bunch of rookie receivers. Uh, First-round talent uh, that you may find available, Traylon Burks with Tennessee. They're late in the drafts that you know could ultimately be their team's wide receiver one. Yep. All right. So news and notes are, but we needed like a different, we need a different name for this because it's like smoke and mirrors, I think, or something like that. It's said <laughs> news a and big notes. one today. We are not even going to talk. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, don't forget about that guy. His name either. He's dropping down in some in some draft day boards. What six game suspension? Is that what it is? Six game suspension. When he yes. comes back, he'll be in the end zone dancing around. I think quite a bit for the Arizona Cardinals. Alan Lazard has got a big shot at being the number one wide receiver, is what Aaron Rodgers says. Well, of mm-hmm. course he does, Aaron. There's nobody else there right now. He's the only guy staying. <laughs> Jawan Jennings, Kyle Shanahan said he has best off season since he entered the league. Now, think about that, Pierre. He's best offseason since he entered the league. That's not saying a lot. Is that? I mean, we don't know what that means. <laughs> right? I've been there, what, two, two years, three years, maybe? I mean, what, out why of are you going to report this stuff? Tutu Atwal. Tutu Atwal. Is that how you say his name? A wide receiver out of L.A.? He's an offseason standout as well for the Rams. Trinity Benson, offseason standout. All these people are doing great. Jalen Guyton. That's a name, though, that I do like. I like him and Palmer. Isn't is, isn't that who it is for the San Diego Chargers? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Palmer, those, yeah. yeah, those are a couple of guys. Uh, we know about the injury history that both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have had. Uh, Robert Griffin. This is what you got to be careful of. So I, I know you're going through these news and notes, but sometimes folks like get too caught up in what's happening when things don't matter, when games don't matter. I remember like Brian Edwards was really big last oh, year, yeah. Yeah, really yeah, last yeah. couple yeah. years with the Raiders because yeah. he's doing all this. He looks great. Oh, he's a stud. Oh, and his average you know, depth he, per, per, per possession, average depth, uh, yeah, his air yards. <laughs> yeah, all those things. And so don't don't get caught up in, in that. Wait till you get the preseason. You actually see him on the field or, or wait, you know, regular season if necessary. But don't get caught up in coach speak and how guys look too much. In training camp, you know, stick with who you know, what you know, what you've seen with them in college, et cetera. Don't expect guys all of a sudden make a, a big jump because they're, you know, the the beat riders say they're having a good camp. 
Robert Griffin III is still unsigned as a quarterback. And I say that because I was really impressed when I saw him on the television doing commentary. I was like, wow, yeah. he does really good there. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> he might do better at this than he does playing quarterback at this point. And that's not a knock on him. I just, I just thought he did really well. I'm trying to throw a compliment. Your way, Robert Griffin, okay? <laughs> I thought you did really good, Mr. Third. I don't know what to call you. Uh, Cordero Patterson might not be in for as big of a workload this season as he was last year. I don't know if I'm buying into that or not, Pierre, but I kind of am because, to me, Mariota, Mariota and, and Cordero Patterson might be the same guy. It just, I know, <laughs> I, you know I don't have a lot to do yeah. with Mariota, but I honestly, they, they might just run the Wildcat there with Cordero Patterson and Mariota there. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, it's it's tough, and yeah, I think they're they're probably not going to be very good <laughs> there in Atlanta. And ultimately, yeah, I think they'll they'll hand it over to, to Desmond Ritter at some point towards the the end of the season. But it'll be the the Kyle Pitts show. But running back, you you never know. Cordero Patterson, really good year last year. One of those sleepers. Uh, waiver wire pickups in some instances that really help people and push them. But he he did fade off a bit uh, there towards the end himself. But uh, again, how's that transition to to running back gonna gonna be the same without Matt Ryan there? Mm-hmm. As you said, someone who's looking for the running back, who's looking for for checkdowns or real routes that that could not that may not be the same with with Mariota or Ritter under center. So you got to expect his production to to maybe see a dip quite a bit this year. Well, not only that, but Atlanta was in the fight for a little while. You know, they were they were there for a playoff spot as a wild card towards the end of the season. That's not going to be there this year. You know what I mean? Like there, there's going to be some checkout time around week week seven, eight, nine. They're they're going to be like, okay, this is this has been fun. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been acquired by the Carolina Panthers from the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a conditional 2024 fifth round pick. They didn't get they didn't get anything for Baker. This is the best they could get for Baker. That was that's what everyone was saying is like the, the market was not hot on on Baker Mayfield and I think that fifth can maybe uh, turn to a fourth uh, given what he does on the field but I'm just glad he gets a chance like I don't think he's bad enough to where he shouldn't be starting. In the NFL, I think he's still better than a handful of, of current NFL starters. Why he's going to Carolina, I don't know. Uh, you look at what they, they traded away for, for Darnold, you know, just a year ago uh, themselves to get him there. Uh, I think they took Matt Coral um, in the in the draft this year as well. I don't know if it's Coral Corral, but out of Ole Miss. And so now you got Baker. They're, they're saying they're not trading Darnold. So you've got like a, a quarterback competition out of a three – different quarterbacks here and I don't know I don't know why they would be the team that to go after Baker but I am glad that he's gonna get a chance to at least start start over start fresh I don't know what's gonna happen there in Cleveland uh they gave all that guaranteed money to Sean Watson his legal his legal stuff still there it's still in the forefront he's probably suspended at least a a year um I think Jimmy G may end up there personally uh just uh to kind of brainstorm I think he could end up in Cleveland for the year. But with Baker, uh, I mean, he has a chance. This is what you want. You want to prove, you know, your doubters wrong. And do you know who they play uh, week one, Carolina? No, it's the Browns, right? It's the Browns. So (laughs) he's going to be extra motivated. Is it it in Cleveland? I think it's in Carolina. I didn't. Okay. All right. I saw it was the Browns, but I didn't double check the location. I I was very curious to what the Cleveland fans would be like, because I do think that they have – 
some love for Baker Mayfield, you know, but it's one of those love hate mm-hmm. relationships. But I, 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 I got endeared to Baker Mayfield at some point last two two seasons ago, and even last season I was pulling for the guy. But then the whole the yeah. old, the Odell Beckham thing happened. Here's what I I think is going to end up happening. Robbie yeah. Anderson will officially retire because, you know, he was thinking about <laughs> retiring. So, Robbie, no, no. Uh, I bet it's Baker's, Baker's a team motivator. He's he, he could put up good numbers there. If Sam Darnold can do what he did in Carolina at the beginning of last year with with Christian McCaffrey. If uh, Moore can put up the numbers that he did there uh, with uh, Darnold as quarterback, I think they're all going to be able to be elevated a little bit more. He's an upgrade over Sam Darnold. I'm not saying that what I'm most disappointed in is there's not where's what's Cam Newton going to go play now? Because I was really hoping maybe that he would. I, I I want more Cam Newton uh, in the league a little bit, and I'd still think he should transition over to tight end at some point, just so we could have some more Cam Newton. I like watching that guy. Geno Smith is uh, in the Seahawks plan to be called to to roll him out as the starting quarterback over Drew Locke, I believe, at the beginning of this year. That's what the reports are coming out of Seattle. So I got that one right, I think, Pierre, when I said Geno had a great rapport with Metcalf there. And it it scares me for Tyler Lockett a little bit, but I like uh, Metcalf's upside with Geno at quarterback. Yeah, Metcalf's the the guy you want here. And you saw at the end of the year, Lockett kind of got faded out. So I think Metcalf's going to benefit the most. Uh, if Gino is named the starter, I expect them to be as well. Uh, didn't like what I saw from Locke. In addition, uh, they were in on the, the Baker Mayfield talks, according to Josiah yeah. Anderson. So now that he's there in Carolina, uh, you got to expect Gino to, to kind of get the reins and see what goes from there. I have one last question before we move on from here. Head off into a little bit of baseball. I don't want to shortchange baseball here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, uh, which seems to always happen whenever football starts on all the <laughs> fantasy networks a little bit. Uh, the, the Jameis Winston has has posted a picture of him or a video of him throwing without a knee brace on. I, I don't know what to expect out of that New Orleans Saints offense this year, and I'm just kind of asking you a little bit. It wasn't fantastic last year before – before Jameis got hurt. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they put up yeah. some numbers, but it, 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 I didn't believe it. When you looked at the stats, you're like, how did they get that many points? How, I just, how, what happened there? <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Kamara is going to be is suspended, I think, for three, four, five weeks. I can't remember how long it is uh, as well. And, I, you know, there's no more Sean Payton. I just don't know what to expect out of this, this New Orleans Saints thing. So I'm asking you, how many eggs should I put in the Saints basket? Uh, probably not many. Um, it's a unique situation, though, because Jameis has proven that he could be fantasy relevant. Like you, you saw it in Tampa, even though they weren't winning. Like he was, he was throwing interceptions, but he was also throwing touchdowns, and he was making you know a lot of those quarterbacks, those, those receivers, still relevant as their quarterback. And yeah, no, Sean Payton's not going to be great, but he, he's going to have additional weapons. So. They drafted Chris Olave, a really good guy, good burner out of Ohio State. You got to expect Michael Thomas to get back. Um, A lot of folks, you know, forget about him because he's been gone. But if he's still got anything in the tank, he's going to help. And Kamara's not going to be gone for long. Uh, I know he's going to probably get suspended. I don't think it'll be six. It'll probably be closer to four. Uh, But I I think they still might have Mark Ingram there. So they they still have a couple uh, guys that, you know, they can hand the ball off to. Uh, transitioning Taysom to tight end. That could be a big move. He's clearly an athlete and can do a lot of things there. So um, it's going to be interesting because there is no Sean Payton. They, they, I think it's Dennis Allen got the, the spot. 
there at the head coach, and he's more their defensive guy. So we'll see how the, the offensive coordinator kind of gets, you know, Jameis involved there. But he's got a good arm. He's a, a talented guy if he can limit turnovers. So they could still put up points. Uh, whether they're going to win is another question. But I, I do think that they they could have offensive power, firepower, firepower once they actually, you know, get Thomas back, get Olave in. Jarvis Landry, I'm pretty sure they they got him as well. So mm-hmm. he's got weapons around him <laughs> to be successful. Okay. All right. All right. I'll uh, I'll put that in my my Scott Fishbowl calculator as I add everything up here of what <laughs> I'm going to be drafting. I appreciate it, Pierre. That's Pierre uh, at Peewee31 over on Twitter. If you got any questions for him, he'll always be able to happy uh, and happy to help you out over there. You can also – uh, hit me up over on Twitter at Lovin. You can ask me questions, and I'll probably tell you to Joe. Where's Joe Flacco? Where's Joe Flacco on your draft board? Uh, don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Also, leave a review, uh, leave a comment if you can. Slap those stars around a little bit. Whatever you're listening, whatever listening platform you choose to listen to us on. However, you can rate us, like us, uh, love us. Whatever you can do there, it always helps out the show a little bit. Pierre, we we've been keeping our eye on baseball this entire off season here on the DFS mm-hmm. Dreamer Podcast because we had to have something to talk about, and so that. That's what we were doing. And uh, let's run down these standings a little bit more because I don't want to check out on the standings because there have been big movers here. In the AL East, New York Yankees are up on top of everybody. They are on top of the Boston Red Sox by 13 games per year. But that's important because the Boston Red Sox, they were down there towards the bottom, but they have been moving up Mm -hmm. progressively during this time. Uh, Tampa Bay is in third place, 14 games back. Toronto's at 14 games back. And Baltimore is 20 and a half games back. At some point, we're going to have to start looking at the wild card adventures in all this because the races there are very, very important. It's it's basically the AL East. That's what the the wild card is. (laughs) The Yankees are are leading it, and then the the wild card are those three teams below them, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, what the wild card is currently. So that's kind of how the AL East is stacking up, and I I think the Yankees are now the favorites to win it all, too. They they just recently, within the last day or two, uh, surpassed the the Dodgers as the, the betting favorite to win the World Series. Minnesota's on top of the AL Central by four and a half games over those Cleveland Guardians who have been tailing off. The Chicago White Sox haven't made much progress, though. They're five and a half games back. Detroit's 11 games back, and Kansas City is 15 games back and falling, Pierre. They are three and seven in their last 10 games. Uh, AL West, Houston is in the lead there over Seattle, 13 and a half games back. Texas is 15 and a half games back. The Angels are 17 games back, and Oakland is 27 games back, just like we thought they would be at before the season started, my friend. Just like we thought they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. Angels, it's tough. They're, they got to do something. You got yep. two of the best players in the world, and you're down towards the basement. But Astros are, are probably going to run away with this thing. So I'm, I'm guessing that that division is probably over, even though we're not even at the All-Star break yet. I agree. Hey, are you in a position to give us the NL, Pierre, the National League, League our leaders there from a team standpoint? Yeah, so NL East, uh, Mets still still holding on at the top. Uh, they're at fifty and thirty-one, but you you do see the the Braves, you know, coming on strong there. They're only two and a half back uh, right now. I know they got Max Fried, I believe, on the mound tonight. Uh, the Mets did get Scherzer back, uh, which is big. You're going to expect the Grom to get back at some point, so hopefully they can keep that distance there. But uh, they're still, you know, holding on strong. Phillies starting to warm up a bit. Kind of hurt. Harper went down with the, the thumb injury, so he'll be out a bit. But they're getting hot. You know, Kyle Schwarber's really tearing it up right now, which is good for him. Former Cub, former IU guy, 
but the, the Mets right now leading the NL East. NL Central Brewers up two and a half on the Cardinals. Uh, Cubs actually won the series from the Brewers today. <laughs> Got the hater in the knife. I was kind of watching that over my shoulder. I was wrapping up some work stuff. Uh, they've won four series, I think, in a row for the Cubs. Uh, still far back there, Brewers, Cardinals, really who it's coming down to. Uh, I, I think the Brewers have the, the better pitching staff, but we'll see if they can kind of hold up strong, if their bats can stay hot there. And then down the NL West, you got the Dodgers, as I mentioned, were the favorites to win the World Series until recently. Uh, up five and a half on the Padres. Not sure when Tatis is going to be back, but Padres are, are hanging around. You know, they're in striking distance as well. Uh, don't mind their staff uh, with the, the pitchers there. You know, Blake Snell been kind of limited there, but they got Sean Maniah as well. well. We'll see if they can ever, you know, catch up to the Dodgers there. Uh, Giants, uh, 10 half games back, barely over 500 now. So that's probably going to be a, a two-team race there in the West between the Dodgers and the Padres. Now the Cubs, I, listen. The Cubs are seven and three over their last ten, and Philadelphia is six and four over the last. The two of the hottest teams in baseball, I believe, those two guys are. And sometimes when you have a situation like that, with when Harper goes down, the rest of the team kind of steps up. You know, they they feel like the pressure that they can't wait for Harper to bail them out with a big bomb there at the end, or, or the, you know, they just need to pick up his slack a little bit. And so that team's been able to do that over there in Philadelphia, Pierre. It's true, and, and sometimes you know you got to rally around your star. Uh, hopefully, you know you're in a position to if he comes back, you know you're ready to make that push, and you're in striking distance uh, for a wild card, you know spot. That's all you need. You need to get in. If you get in, you just need to get hot. So if they can, you know, keep it keep it close uh, while he's nursing that thumb, I, I think they'll give themselves a, a shot. And again, Schwarber's really really hot. Uh, got to hope Castellanos, you know, heats up a bit. Uh, Hoskins has been good. Romuto has got like three home runs in the last month after not having any <laughs> the whole season. So they are definitely picking it up a bit. Hey, let's go over here since we still have a couple of minutes left. Let's look at the league leaders for the last 30 days, which is really close to the month of June. That's kind of when things really heat you up a little bit. So let's look at the league leaders from a hitting standpoint from the last 30 days. Maybe we can find some gems out there that might be on some waiver wires that you and I know we keep our eyes on when fantasy baseball comes around. Leading the league in runs is that Kyle Schwarber. Jake Cronworth is their second. And uh, tied with him is Ahmad Rosario. I, you know, if you're dedicated to fantasy baseball, you know that name. But, man, he is really scoring a lot of runs. He doesn't really give you a lot of other things <laughs> besides the runs. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, you're always waiting, waiting for him to give you stolen bases. And he actually has six in the last 30 days, so that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. We'll, we'll see how the season plays out. But, I mean, like you mentioned earlier with Schorber, he's leading off, uh, which the Cubs tried for a bit. But, you know, just having that power up front, uh, for one, hitting home runs is going to help you in the runs category. But also, you know, being out in front of guys like Hoskins, like Harper, uh, Castellanos, those guys are going to help bat you in. Uh, he's pretty good at taking walks, good strike zone. Rosario, we'll we'll see. We'll see if he can, you know, hang yeah. on up there. It'll, it'll be interesting how that how that whole whole scenario plays out there. Uh what he's with uh in the Mets. Is he with the Mets still? No, he's with Cleveland. He's with the Guardians. Cleveland, Cleveland. And he's hitting 325. Okay. He's, his average is 325, too. So, uh, you know, he he adds there a little bit there. I know that's what's one of my strategies, and I don't want anybody to hear me about this in my fantasy home league or not. <laughs> but uh, one of my strategies is to always just wait to find those guys who've, who are, who've got great matchups at the end of the year 
have a high batting average at the end of the year so I could steal that batting average thing. And plus, they usually do really well in runs scored as well if they're always on base. So that's what I always try to do. Interesting, interesting strategy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a strategy. Yeah, listen, if Michael Harris is out there on your waiver wire, and and it probably isn't, but maybe he is. Maybe you're. Yeah, go ahead, pick him up. He's with the Atlanta. He's with. He's an outfielder as well. Uh, he he's got mm-hmm. six stolen bases, batting three thirteen. He's just one of those guys. And if you're a little iffy on whether or not to get him, I say go ahead and get him. I've seen some of the underlying stats, and he he looks just fine. He, he looks just fine. He got he got two steals last night because I had him in my DFS lineup, and he's batting ninth, so he's at the bottom of the order. Lefty, but yeah, he stole second and third, got me like 15 fantasy points at one one plate a pair. So very appreciative of Michael Harris. Definitely <laughs> pick him up. Uh, uh, he's really good. And again, you, a lot of people overlook those those guys. You look at the the power uh, type bats that you see in the, the Braves lineup when you, you got Acuna, you, you got Austin Riley, Olsen, those guys. You look at Michael Harris just down at the bottom knocking all those guys in or, or getting in yep. a position to be knocked in. So definitely a good pickup option. Yep. In home runs, Schwarber was leading the last 30 days. He's got 11 home runs. Byron Buxton started off all over again. He's got 10 home runs. Trout with 10 home <laughs> runs. I, I, I say we got to we got to get tr- Trout traded. That's what we got to do. I'm giving up <laughs> Free on Free Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving up on him there, getting anything of any consequence in L.A. Not to the Yankees. I don't want him to go to Houston. I don't want him to go to the Dodgers. Let's trade Trout to somebody. You know, he, you know he'd be really appreciated in, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Cardinals. I mean, just the, the Cardinals. Oh, oh know, okay. Show over. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate <laughs> you tuning in. I didn't say the Brewers. <laughs> There's no That's... way. Why, they, I was hurt when... They got Goldschmidt and Arenado. I don't need Trout there, too. Come on. Well, don't I just, do that. I just, I, it's a Midwest that city. That awful. They that have a, awful. They have a shot. I just, I just, and I, I the, the crowds there, the fans in St. Louis no. are good fans. Okay. No. All right. All right. Get, him, get him out of the NL Central. No way. Do not trade him there. Send him Maybe to the, the Pirates. I can, yeah, the, give him to the Pirates. That's the, the Pirates. What are you doing to Mike Trout? I'm trying to, I'm trying to help him out. Hey, we, if we don't mention about home runs, and we don't mention his name, even though he probably won't like me saying his name, Isaac Paredes. Is that how I would say that? Paredes? Oh, yeah. Ooh, he's, he's gotten hot. Yeah, he's batting 293, nine home runs, nine home runs in just 75 at-bats. It's like whenever he gets them, too, he's just launching them. Now, I'm going to say this. I picked him up in one league. Mm -hmm. I was hesitant to do so because you look at his launch angle, you look at his exit velocity, his max Evo. There's nothing impressive there. There's nothing. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing it. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it with you. But that's what I'll do, Isaac. And, and so that's what we are doing right now together is hitting a bunch of home runs for my fantasy team. He, he is. And it's kind of surprising because he, he was in Detroit and he was kind of awful. Yeah, yeah. For being honest, like the, the previous two years, uh, you look like right now, I think he's got 134 plate appearance in those 13 home runs. He had 120-20 with uh, the Tigers at one home run. So Something's changed there, but good for him. I've been kind of riding his hot streak as well. Uh, but yeah, he's been he's been torching the ball, and he's even getting pitched around a bit there yeah. with the in the Rays offense. Uh, another game, another name I want to mention here: the Jack Swinski with Pittsburgh. I know he's with Pittsburgh, 
you got to keep your ears on the trade charts, you know, or you know, the rumors for trading, because he's one of the guys who could be a trade bait for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I, I'm going to tell you, that guy can mash the ball. All right. Eight home runs over the oh, last yeah, 30 so days. You know, he, uh, sorry to interrupt, but they're, they're farm systems here in Indianapolis. So the, uh-huh. the Pirates AAA teams, the Indianapolis Indians. So I'm very familiar with him. I, I thought he was the, the talent there when everyone was. Uh, on Cole, I can't think of Cole's name now, but uh, it definitely was Shawinsky. So they're they're kind of going young. I don't know if they're trade away into these guys because they they've gone pretty young, and a lot of that triple A talent is now you know caught up with the Pirates, and they're, they're starting to play better. But I, I definitely agree, he's a a talented guy with some power. Jesse Winker is another name who keeps floating in and out of uh, waiver wires for me anyway, in my mm-hmm. different leagues. And he's just one of those names because people know what Jesse Winker has possibility. Listen, he has 18 walks to 10 strikeouts over the last 30 days. He's seeing the ball really well. He's got to get the bat on the ball a little bit. He's suspended now. And sometimes what happens whenever a player gets suspended is they come back on fire because they're just mad. All right, they're mad. That's the only way I, can, <laughs> I know it. And so I got my eye on Jesse Winker in a couple of different leagues where I need some pop. And Jesse Winker will be able to provide that. He had three home runs there in just 81 at bats, I believe, as well. So, you know, this possibility he was really heating up there before he got suspended. Yeah, the the, the tough thing with, with Winker is the the park switch. Yeah. So you look at when he was there, great American in Cincinnati, really hitter-friendly. Uh, that's not necessarily the case in Seattle, unless you're Julio Rodriguez. Um, but uh, I, I don't know about Winker. I was shocked that the Reds traded him for one, but mm-hmm. – uh, he might just be who he is outside of great American. So I, I'd be cautious. Um, but if you feel like he's going to heat up, he, he's worth a, he's got the talent, I, I guess, to, to be worth a, a, a low, a low risk, high reward type of pickup. Boy, that just, that crushed, uh, not Newman. Who's the guy that played for Pittsburgh? Uh, he's second baseman outfield eligible. A lot of places played in San Francisco or San Diego last year too. And then it went to Seattle this year. It's not Kevin Newman. Uh, um, Frazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Frazier. It just it just crushed him. In between that yeah. and the new ball, it just absolutely crushed everything he has. That's yeah, it was crazy. I mean, to see that's that. that's the people gotta take into account. And I know I think I did one baseball draft this year and I, I, I didn't take into account some of the the park switches of some of these players and then obviously some some injuries have hurt. But I do got Riley Green. He's he's caught up, he's here to stay, he's looking pretty good so far yeah. in Detroit. But yeah, it's it's tough when when guys change sparks, especially like course. The Coors effect when you got guys like Story uh, is a good example. I have him, and he's in Boston, which you wouldn't think is that big of a drop-off from Coors, but it is. And, you know, he, he's gotten warmed up a little bit, but given what he was doing in Coors, it's just not the same production that you were getting uh, out in Colorado now that he's in Boston. Uh, looking at these waiver wire people that we might still have out there, Pierre, one of the things that can help you win a league is stolen bases. John Birdie, I know he's not available in leagues anymore. Surely John Birdie is not available in leagues anymore. <laughs> 18 stolen bases over the last 30 days, though. That is that is just really fun to watch. Uh, Jorge Mateo, he has seven with a shortstop with Baltimore, but like there's no batting average. There's nothing there. He has some pop in his bat. Some of those, you know, uh, stat cast numbers look pretty good, but it just can't, it doesn't come to fruition when Whenever you look at his batting average, uh, only thing he's got to offer you is stolen bases. That's also the same thing with Dylan Moore as well. Dylan Moore, he has six stolen bases, but there is just nothing there. When you look at the stack ass numbers, there's absolutely nothing there. 
Yeah, that's that's so, tough. And you look at Baltimore, that's a you know, that's a hitter of Finley's Park to me, Camden Yard. So you would think Mateo would be a little bit more, but I like Miles Straw. I thought he'd be a good oh, stolen base too. guy yeah. there. And you know, his nope. batting average has been awful where he was decent, I thought, and, and with the Astros the year before. Well, I told you about the new ball that was breaking out there at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year and the statistics with it. And I'm serious, like Miles Straw. He, he he hits a fly ball and the shortstop catches it, you know, between short and third. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's like what, what is, what's going on? Uh, hey, let's let's end on a good note here. Let's talk about strikeouts and have a little giggle. Can we do that here on the Fantasy okay. Impact Today Network? All right, striking out the most over the last thirty days in a hundred and six plate appearances. Christopher Morale, your guy with the Chicago Cubs, uh. has struck out. 44 times. 44 we're going to end on a good note. How dare you? <laughs> 44 times, Pierre. He struck out. Uh, Luke Voigt has struck out 38 out of 102 times. Uh, Eugenio Suarez. So I don't say his name right. I don't say his first yeah, name. That's right. That's it's, right. Another Cincinnati yeah. to Seattle defect there. But he's actually, you know, hit a couple of home runs this year. It's really <laughs> funny if you go back and look at his last year stats. It's how yeah. He had almost as many strikeouts as hits last year. He was bad. He was bad. He's been a, a little bit better, but I mean, yeah. again, that that park stuff can can definitely hurt. Luke Voigt, you know, he went from Yankee Stadium out to San Diego, so all that all that plays a a part. And you know, some people see the ball differently, you yeah, know, at certain parks too. Uh, 37 strikeouts, though, for Eugenio Suarez in 106 plate appearances. Swinski, 85 plate appearances, 37 strikeouts, almost <laughs> half. Yeah, we're half and half. 50-50 in your cup of coffee there, Mr. Swinski. Teoscar Hernandez just coming back off of that IL. Now, listen, this, this is a little bit skewed because I think he's uh, gotten back into the swing of things lately. Teoscar Hernandez, your buy low uh, possibilities for him in leagues might be over with, but if you could get Teoscar Hernandez, you just need to run out and get him. Maybe the the person is willing to try and sell him at this point. But over the last thirty days, he's hitting two ninety six. He has struck out thirty six out of one hundred and eight times, but he has six home runs in that period of time. And and I just think that he has an opportunity to really bring home some fantasy championships. I wouldn't be hesitant to buy him. At whatever price. I don't want to say whatever price, but you know what I mean. At a good price. <laughs> yeah, he's in a good lineup, too. You look at the, the Blue Jays. He's got, you know, Bichette and Guerrero and those guys. And but Alexandro Kirk is, like, crushing it at catcher. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's got some good guys ahead of him. And uh, you mentioned Morrell. I'm surprised you haven't brought up our other guy, Patrick Wisdom. Uh, oh, yeah. He strikes out a ton. But, again, he's he's hitting homers. And uh, it kind of – Helps balance it out when they they can't home, hit, hit home runs like Schwarber. I'm pretty sure is up towards the top as well. But you'll take some of those strikeouts when they're tearing the cover off the ball and giving you home runs. You know, Patrick Wisdom is one of those names I wanted to mention. Uh, here we'll mm-hmm. wrap it up here after this. Patrick Wisdom, though, whenever you do look at his Statcast data. He's in with that elite, I call it an elite club, wherever his batted ball profile, he just really hits the ball really well. Uh, he he uh, has great exit velocity. His launch angle is a little bit to, has a little bit something to be desired. He could lower that down a little bit and I think be far okay. more effective. But his line drive, all those things, he, he really does a good job. And sometimes he's floating around out there because people get frustrated because he does. He is a streaky player. So he gets hot. He is cold. But he has three position eligibility in a lot of places. And I, I you you know, whenever I think about like a Patrick Wisdom this time of year, and the Cubs are almost out of it. You know what I mean? They're just they're hanging on by a thread. They're warming up a little bit, but you wonder if like they don't start going after some personal numbers. Like, okay, yeah. uh, Patrick Wisdom has got almost 
he could try to shoot for 20 stolen bases this year and and really attain that if he if he shot for it. So he could just be one of those players that at the end of the year really adds something to your fantasy ball club. Well, yeah, because these these guys are even if the team isn't playing for anything, these guys are are playing for you know roster contracts. Spots. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like the the Cubs or you know who they were in, in 2016. Like these guys are are really easily like a step away from getting demoted back down to Triple A. So they they want to come up here, they want to impress, uh, they want to stick around. If not with the Cubs, they want to get the attention you know of other teams if they do get you know demoted or released. So it's People got to keep that in mind. Like these these teams that are losing, even though they're losing, they look like they have a really bad product on the field. There's still pride uh, with a lot of these guys, you know, still trying to grind it out and you know play it to the majors. Uh, I saw what I think it's I want to say Clint Frazier. I think he goes by Jackson Frazier now. He's he's down a trip away. The, the Cubs were were in Indianapolis on the fourth, and you know these guys are down there, you know, hitting and grinding and, and trying to get their way back up to the league, uh, just as those that are in the league are, are trying to stay. And, you know, show that they have what it takes to remain, you know, a major leaguer. Pierre, you are a wealth of information. I hope I don't uh, lose you to the, uh, what was it? The 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 Sirius XM League. That's where you're going. Man, alive. What are you doing? But I'm a, hey, Scott Fish sent me to Brussels. He sent me to Brussels. He said, hey, go, go scout off some German talent or something over there. Uh, but we appreciate Scott Fish for always putting on this great event that we're talking about here earlier in the podcast. Uh, make sure you tell everybody about this so they can get some tips and tricks there for the Scott Fish Bowl as well. But you do a great job, Pierre. I look forward to talking to you next week as you help me make my third and fourth round pick next week, I think, around this time. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, make sure you follow Pierre at Wee 31 over on Twitter. You can follow me as well at Loafing It. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there on Twitter. Twitter and please like subscribe tell your friends about this so uh, uh leave a review uh, slap the stars around all those different things but more importantly than all that fit fam we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today <laughs>